0: We're going to turn now to God's Word, and we're reading from Matthew uh, chapter 20, and it's on page 987. If you'd like to follow along in uh, in the church Bible or on your uh, device or however you're turning to God's Word this morning, that would be great. Um, Reading from Matthew chapter 20, and it's the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Um, So, Matthew chapter 21 to 16, and this is God's Word. We'll read this together, and then we'll um, just bring some things out of this for us for this morning. So, let's pray together before we, before we do that. Father, we thank you for your presence with us this morning uh, by your Holy Spirit and in your living Word. And Lord, we ask that you would give us ears to hear you and hearts to respond to you. Lord, we ask that you would speak, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Jesus says this. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, "'You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right.' So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, "'Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing?' "'Because no one has hired us,' they answered. He said to them, "'You also go and work in my vineyard.' When evening came, the the owner of the vineyard said to his four men, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who, who were hired last worked only one hour. They said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I give you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The last will be first, and the first will be last. That's uh, some consolation for the UK's Eurovision Song Contest (laughs) entry. (laughs) I mean, did you see what happened there? Uh, The UK entry came last, and then they recounted the votes, and we came even more last. (laughs) But in the upside-down kingdom of God, we would have been champions. This morning we continue in our What Shapes You series and we ask the question what does success look like? What does success look like? I wonder what you think does success look like winning the Eurovision Song Contest? Uh, And I think we have a slide of of Duncan Lawrence from the Netherlands there with the the trophy. Does success look like uh, a great sports personality? Uh, now we know that Maradona good, Pelly better, George best, but I think maybe the jury's still out on the statue. Um, or is success like a fast car? Does success look like a fast car, you know, a nice 911? I'd soon have a speeding ticket as well as a clamping one if I had that baby. <laughs> or or does, does, does success look like a, a, a big house? There's a nice little associate manse there. <laughs> no problem having a small group in there, surely there, wouldn't dear! <laughs> or does it look like money, money, money? That's what contemporary society would have us believe, isn't it? Would try to have us believe. But you see, the story's told of a very wealthy, successful New York businessman who, who died. And as they gathered around at the cemetery and lowered him into the ground, his neighbors, they were, you know, they were, they were chittering. And they were saying, I wonder how much he left. I wonder how much he left. And, and the businessman's solicitor was in the crowd and he said, I know exactly how much he left. And they gathered around him to hear what he would say. And the solicitor simply said, he left everything. He left everything. All the things that the world counts as success, we leave them behind us, don't we? You see, I honestly think, I don't think that success looks like like status or cars or money or houses. We leave those all behind. And I don't have a picture for this one, but you know, you'll have to use your imagination here. But, But I think that success is that day when you're dandering around heaven And someone strolls up to you and taps you on the shoulder and says, Thank you for telling me about Jesus. Thank you for telling me about Jesus. St. John paints this wonderful picture for us that God has given him in his his vision in Revelation chapter 7. St. John says this. He says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and the Lamb. You see, we can't take celebrity status or cars or houses or money with us. In a sense, you see, there really only is one thing that we can take with us. And that's other people. Other people. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We don't save anyone We don't save anyone. God does all the saving. God alone and by His grace alone. Because if we were to read on in Revelation 7, we would see that these people were singing, salvation belongs to our God. And St. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but then it is the Lord who does the saving. But then Paul goes on. But how can they call on the name of, on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And that's where we come in, isn't it? God does the saving and we do the telling. In order to have people with us, to take people with us to heaven. We need to tell them about Jesus, about how he died, that we could live, about how he came here so that we could go there. We need to tell them, we need to invite them into his kingdom. And we're talking here about evangelism, aren't we? We're talking about workers in the vineyard, just like this parable that we just read. You see, yes, there are a number of things that we could focus on this morning from this parable. We could focus on that saying that the last will be first and the first will be last. And we could go on to explore our Father's heart for the, the last, the lost, the least, the lame, the laper, and the lonely. Or we could look at that seeming unfairness of the landowner giving all the laborers the same reward, even though some had worked for 12 hours and some only for one. We could do that until we realized that we we're talking about the... the the landowner had given exactly what he promised. And until we realized that we're talking here about the kingdom of heaven, and none of us deserve to be there. He brings us there and he treats us all equally. We all get the same. We all get paradise. And all only because of the grace and generosity of God. But this morning, I'd like us to focus just for a few minutes on the, uh, on the evangelism aspect of this parable uh, and see what Jesus is saying to us here this morning from this story. So firstly, the, the world is the vineyard. The vineyard is the world. And, and Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. Psalm 24, of course, tells us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So God is the generous owner of the vineyard in this story. And we, we are those whom he has graciously called to be his co-workers in the gathering in of this heavenly harvest. We who have responded to the call of God, we are the laborers in the vineyard. And we see that there's a bumper harvest. The landowner wanted some helpers with this harvest. Some co-workers to join him in the field to help him to gather in this bounteous harvest. There were so many grapes and only a small window of opportunity to to harvest them in to get the work done. So so he went down to the equivalent of the local job center and he hired some helpers. And that's you and me. We're depicted by these helpers. We are the servants who have been graciously called and, and invited to serve the Lord in this wonderful work. And there are more scriptures extolling the the work of the harvester than of any other laborer. In Matthew 9, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest, he says, to send out workers into his harvest field. There are verses like this from, from John 4, where Jesus says, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. You see, you and I have been called to help in the harvesting, in the evangelism of the world from, as I've said, from East Belfast to the ends of the earth, from Castle Ray to Timbuktu. And there are many resources that we could, that we could um, to help us in our evangelism. You could pick up Natural Evangelism by J. John, our our guest speaker, next weekend. We have some of these in the shop. You could pick up this. Very helpful. You could go on a a training course with PCI or Crown Jesus or or someone else, whoever. All good stuff and all recommended. But what would the landowner have thought about his new employees if they'd just sat around all day talking about the the new uh, latest techniques in harvesting grapes but never actually got their hands dirty? What if they spent hours debating the best tools for the job but never actually picked up those tools? No, the fields are now already white unto harvest. There is a work to be done and God has invited you and me to go into his harvest. The Bible teaches that every child of his and every church, every Christian, every congregation has been enlisted into this great work of world evangelism. We share this awesome privilege, and responsibility. And, you know, God gives specific orders and specific jobs to specific workers. He may say to one laborer, I want you to work in that part of the vineyard over there. He may say to another, I want you to stay close to the house. To one, he sends to the ends of the earth. To the other, he sends to the end of the street, or the house next door, or simply across the room. And whoever, whoever you are, God wants to use you in inviting others to Jesus, inviting others into His kingdom, bringing in this wonderful harvest of souls. And yes, He has given each of us different gifts and abilities and to use in the work, every single one of us, different personalities, different gifts, different opportunities, but He has given them to us. And, and let's not say that God can't use us You know, I think that if if I and Nick could just get you and me thinking that God couldn't use us, he'd be happy with that day's work. He would. But just look at who God uses in the Bible. Let me tell you of some of them. Noah. Noah was a drunkard. Adam. Adam was, was Abraham. Abraham was too old. Isaac, Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a liar, Joseph was abused, Moses had a speech impediment, Gideon was afraid, Samson was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah was too young, David committed adultery and murder, Elijah was suicidal, Jonah ran away, Naomi was a widow, Job was bankrupt, Peter denied Christ three times, the disciples fell asleep while they were praying, Martha worried about everything, the Samaritan woman was divorced five times, Zacchaeus was too small, Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. So we don't have any excuses, really, do we? No, God can use us, every single one of us. We just need to be available and obedient. Another difference between the servants is the time when the laborer, uh, when, when God enlists them. Into his service and commissions them. We see that laborers came into the kingdom, into the service of the landowner at various different times and in different ways. And so it still is today. But as soon as we come to faith in Jesus, we're on the field, we're we're enlisted as an evangelist telling others about him. A child may come to faith in early years and, and start to share with their siblings or play playgroup friends about Jesus then. Moses, on the other hand, didn't enter into the vineyard until he was 80 years of age. Paul was in his 30s. Isaiah was already busy serving the Lord when he was recommissioned. You see, some workers begin at sunup up while in their early years. Some are called at the third hour. Some join the, the, the Lord's labor force at noon. And then there are some who answer the call and begin to serve later in life. So, when is it time to roll up the sleeves and get to the work? Simply put, it's never too early, and it's never too late. I had the privilege recently of, of hearing one little three-year-old, four-year-old child explaining to mom that Jesus loves her, as, as they were coming out of salt out of our Sunday school here. It's wonderful. And then I think of the dear brothers and sisters in their 80s and 90s that I visit, and they're still sensitively but boldly witnessing to Jesus to their carers. You see, we're never too young. We're never too old. It's, we're never too soon. It's never too late. And consider that vineyard, where is the Lord's field? Jesus answers that question in a couple of ways. One is this. He says, "'Lift up your eyes. Behold, the fields are white unto harvest.'" And you see, if we were standing up on the Castlereagh Hills up about Church Road or Braniel Road or somewhere and we lifted up our eyes and look, we would be looking out over East Belfast. If we were, on the other hand, in Timbuktu and we lifted up our eyes, we'd be looking out over Maui. The field is the world and so it is for us and we are called to, to be engaged in the work of gathering in the harvest wherever our Lord, the landowner, has placed us. Another of the elements in this parable is Time. Time. You see, the story implies that the time available for the harvesting was but one working day. Some men began early in the day and labored through the hottest hours, while some men were contacted and hired at the 11th hour. But it was one day. And this is true of harvesting. There is just a moment when, too soon and it won't be ripe, too late and it'll fall and rot. There's a moment, and it's a brief moment when it's just ripe right for harvest. And you see, I believe that we are living in this 11th hour. The Bible calls these the last days. We're in the 11th hour. Time is running out. Christ is on His way. And you know what? He's a day closer today than He was yesterday. And when He comes, our labors will be finished. Our labors will be over. There's a time coming, you see, when no one will work. And next week may be too late to tell our families and friends about the love of Jesus. You see, there was an urgency in this harvest. The landowner kept going bringing more people in. There's an urgency to get this harvest in. And so it is with the world. There was an urgency in the vineyard and there's an urgency in the world to get the harvest in because Christ is on his way. Behold, he comes. So now, today, today, this is the day of salvation. This is the day of evangelism. This is the day of invitation. And of course, people come to faith in simple one-to-one conversations with a Christian friend or a worker. They come to faith during a church service of worship, and God is at work, and He's been leading people to faith in both these circumstances and situations in recent days and weeks here at Orangefield. But you know, also attendance at a large event can sometimes and often be the defining moment for people. Many people have been on a journey slowly but surely, and then they've gone to Summer Madness or New Horizon or or New Wine or a large event, and that has been a defining moment when they've taken that step of faith. Big event. Do you know where I'm going here with this, don't you? We have a big event coming up. We have a big event coming up next Sunday. Just one at C.S. Lewis Square. Next Sunday from four o'clock to half five. The venue will be open from three o'clock for refreshments and music as people arrive. Jay John is the speaker. He is a fellow laborer in the vineyard and he has been used powerfully by God in that work. Jay John spoke last week at the National Stadium of Singapore. And you know, over the course of a number of days, over 5,000 people came to faith in Christ. What a wonderful kingdom harvest. And we have big expectations for next Sunday. God will be on the move. It will be a defining moment for the, in the lives of many people. There are a number of other people going to be there as well. Ulster Rugby scrum half Paul Marshall sharing his testimony. Paralympic swimming gold medalist Bethany Firth sharing her faith. Singer songwriter, Gary Simpson. Music with Johnny Wright and Leah McFall. God will be working and moving and speaking through all of these people. And yes, we have big expectations because our God is a big God and He wants to get on with the harvest. And and this is a great opportunity to invite a friend to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. To hear the wonderful good news of the gospel. In a world... That is full of bad news. We have the good news. So the question is who are we inviting? Who are you inviting? Who am I inviting? Folks, we have these invitations and we have some left on the, the vestibule table. And, you know, the thing is that they're just no use sitting on the vestibule table, they're just not working there. So, so please pick some up on the way out and we've, we've distributed a lot of these but there's still some left and we want these into our friends' hands, our family's hands, our neighbours, our colleagues. Please pick them up on the way out and pass on the invitation to someone else this week. Albert McMakin was a young man who had recently come to faith in Christ. He was so full of enthusiasm that he filled the truck with people and brought them to the next local meeting to hear about Jesus. There was a farmer's son who Albert really was keen to get to the meeting, but this young man was hard to persuade. Eventually, Albert McMakin managed to persuade this man to come by inviting him to drive the truck. When they arrived at the meeting, Albert's guest went in and and, and something changed for him. And he went back again and again until one night he came forward and he gave his life to Christ. Christ. And Albert Mcmakin's friend, that man, was Billy Graham. The driver of the truck was Billy Graham. The year was 1934, and as we know, Billy Graham went on to lead thousands of people to faith in Christ. You see, we can't all be like Billy Graham. We can't all be like J. John. But we can all be like Albert Mcmakin. We can all invite our friends to an event. We can all invite our friends to just one, and we can invite our friends to church or some other Christian event. Who knows, you may even be inviting the next Billy Graham to Jesus. So just as I finish, what does success look like? Status, cars, houses, money? No. No, not for the Christian. You see, as we lift our eyes up from the temporary earthly things, we see that success is not about gathering status or stuff. On this temporary earthly life, no, I want to suggest that real success looks like someone, someday, strolling up to you in heaven, tapping you on the shoulder, and saying, thank you for telling me about Jesus. So let us be telling Him. Amen? Amen. Let us pray together for a moment. Let's pray. And let us, uh, let us take a few moments in God's presence to respond in the silence of our own hearts to, to what He's been saying to us this morning. And maybe that's responding to the Lord for the first time and enlisting as a laborer in His vineyard. Or maybe it's praying for the wisdom and boldness as to how and when to tell others. For we know this isn't always easy, so we ask for wisdom, for boldness, for courage. Or perhaps it's praying for someone who you've invited or want to invite to just one or to church or to some other Christian event. Or simply to pray for that event. So let's do that now. Father, we thank you for your great love for us and for your presence with us always. We thank you that you are a generous and gracious God who is at work recruiting laborers for your vineyard to tell others about Jesus. So, Father, while there is still time, fill us with your Spirit. Give us your words. Let us be telling them. Let us be inviting them. Let us be serving you in the field as you graciously gather in your glorious heavenly harvest. We pray these things in the power of the Spirit, in Jesus' name, and for your glory alone. Amen. Amen.